millennials are actually the last generation to remember what the world was like pre-iPhone. Like, I remember Netscape. I remember, hey, I got to get off the phone. We're, we're trying to get off the on the internet, dial up. And maybe Josh can put in a little... Uh... Well, he doesn't need to. That was perfect. <laughs> Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter here with Isaac Adams for what is a heavier episode. Our country has seen a lot of violence recently. In recent months, we've seen a racially motivated mass shooting in Buffalo, New York, where 10 people lost their lives. There's a mass shooting at an elementary school in Valdi, Texas, that claimed the lives of 21 people. Jalen Walker, a black man who was being reported as unarmed, was killed by police several weeks ago. That same week, nearly 50 people were found dead attempting to cross the southern border from Mexico. And the week prior to that, the very town in which we're presently recording, a gunman killed three people at a church potluck. We're actually recording that evening, and I saw first responders driving past me on my way home. Isaac, that is a deluge of horrible news from the last few weeks. Why are we talking about that today? Oh, man. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind, I mean, sometimes I feel like in, in, uh, in response to these things, it's hard to think clearly. And, you know, we value that on the show. But what comes to mind is that we're talking about it because we're sick of it. I felt as if, you know, I was going back and forth between whether to write on this or have this episode and landed with the episode one with your wisdom and two, uh, in council and two, because I wanted people to be able to hear our voice and you, it's really hard to hear voice and tone in writing. But I mean, I, it was on the heels of, Jalen Walker and this Chicago Highland Park shooting. I was just like, Lord, I'm sick of this. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm utterly sick of reading this headline. And it's a really, I mean, I'm sure you've got questions to this end, but it's a really interesting thing because, you know, we are not designed to handle all the grief in the world or even know about it. Uh, only God can do that. And that's what, I mean, media has done, even just social media and media has done. It's made these things available to us. So to be clear, I'm not advocating putting our heads in the sand, quite the opposite, given this episode. But I think the bottom line I got to was that, man, I don't want to, I think what I was troubled by was, you know, I see this news come up in my feed and the and I realized I could was just scrolling past it. And we'll talk more, I'm sure, about like I'm not saying you have to, you have you can or or should park on every tragedy you scroll past, but there's almost the opposite danger of a numbing effect that can happen. Yeah. Where and I just got to the bottom line of I hope I don't grow numb, and I hope you listener don't either. 
We should note, listeners, not because we want to, but because of the way these things are released, that we're recording several weeks before this episode will come out. And between now and then, there may be more horrible events like these. So we're not excluding those. We're just talking about what's happened lately. We did this, Isaac, a couple years ago uh, with an episode entitled Horrible and Familiar to describe our reaction to tragic racial events. Now, not all of the events I mentioned earlier have a racial component, but I think those same descriptors apply. Why did you choose that language initially to describe this kind of thing? Oh, man, because it is horrible. And it's, I mean, probably even better would be horrible and haunting. It just, it's the ghost that seems to not go away. And, you know, you and I are Christians. We know that the world has fallen. But we're Christians, so we're also sad that the world is fallen. Sin grieves us. You know, I was reading Romans 8 in my quiet time today. Creation is groaning, and we too, along with it, are groaning. And so... Particularly with that one, I think it was the, I say I think it was the Maude Arbery case because sadly there's been so many kind of in that, I mean, it's almost its own genre, not to downplay, uh, you know, the uniqueness of each case or the importance of that uniqueness. But that was the Maude Arbery case. And man, I mean, we could just, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, Eric Gardner, Walter Scott. I mean, we could, we could go down a tragic list and it's horrible. And and that's what it kind of I was saying in that first in response to your first question, familiar. Like I'm sick of reading this headline. I mean, I said somewhere in talking about race, you know, that uh, racial tragedies in this in chapter eleven, the next viral video of a racial tragedy won't be the first of its kind. And unfortunately, until the Lord returns, I fear it won't be the last. That's just proven to be true in the short. This book's only been out for six months. So we're not just talking about it. We as a ministry and as a podcast also want to contend in prayer about it. But when national tragedies happen, when racial tragedies happen, there are a host of reactions we might have. One I wanted to ask you about is the instinct to mock prayer as a kind of inaction. Why do you think that happens? Why do you think people mock prayer in a time of national tragedy? Well, there are people wrongfully offering prayer as a as a as a platitude of sorts thoughts and prayers it's like well did you think about it and did you pray so that i'm like i agreed and the scorning of that but prayer is slow and the results are often invisible to the naked eye and it's not quick and so i think people people see it as inaction as you could be doing so much more um, and what we say, you know, we don't, it doesn't have to be this either or what we often say on the show is we got to do more than pray, but we can't do less. Right. And so, but I fear the very reason the show started was because it was another racial tragedy. I mean, this was the wake of Mike Brown and it seemed like people were doing a whole lot more, but praying. And you could tell in, in the conversation and whether that be nationally in many instances, locally. And so the Bible commands prayer. So it is in action. I mean, what, I mean, this is just what Christians do when overwhelmed. Second Chronicles 12, Jehoshaphat, when overwhelmed, says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Hezekiah, when he is overwhelmed, he gets that letter 
And what is it, Isaiah? What does it say he did? He spread it before the Lord. I mean, I could go after example of example. This is what Christians do. So I was reading. Um, you know, this was this was right in the wake. Again, just in my quiet time. So I just marched through the Bible in a year. That's what I do. And Psalm four came up, and I was just I was I mean I, because I understand the frustration behind that critique about prayer being in, in action. It's just like, like, Lord, I'm sick of reading this headline. What can I do? I mean, that is just, I think there is, Christians want to do good. We want to do justice. But and Psalm 4 was really angry, interesting. It's a uh, verse 4, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your, own, on your beds, and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So again, that's not the only course of action prescribed in the Bible, but it's, but it is one. The anger is legitimate. Be angry and do not sin. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. And I was like, man, that's that's enough of a marching order for me today. Yeah, it's so good. I appreciate the examples you mentioned. One I thought of that sort of makes your point about, you know, platitudes. I thought of James 2.14 and following, where James writes a scenario of a religious person who expresses well wishes towards someone while failing to address their needs. And he's very critical of that kind of behavior. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that text applies here? Yes. And I mean, that, I, I heard uh, one of our pastors preach this recently, you know, the Bible has one story and one message, but the different authors say it differently. There's a beauty to that. So John would say, I think, don't say say like be warm and clothed and like be on your way. Is that John or is that also James? That's James. Oh, that's okay. Well, uh, I mean, John is also so much about loving your brother that he, I'm sure, would say the exact same thing. And so, yes, I think that very much applies. And that that kind of hollow prayer, showmanship prayer, is yeah, not what we want to be about for sure. So I wanted to ask you this, what duty do Christians and churches have in response to such a regular cycle of tragedies in our countries and cities? Well, I appreciate the question because there are different duties between the church gathered and the church scattered. What I mean, the church as what happens on Sunday with you and 200 other Christians or however many, and you as an individual. So you, Austin Suter, individually might have a calling from God in your own life as you walk down, you know, the street you live on and see the broken and bleeding person on the side of the street, and God has placed that in your life, where maybe he hasn't placed that in my life, or it looks different. In other words, it looks different for the homemaker than it does for the lawyer, than it does for the preacher, than it does for the teacher, you know, and we could go on in our separate individual callings. Uh, but all of us have, all of us are called to show love, mercy, and justice, and to be faithful in that, and the expressions can look different. You know, as churches, we want to be, we, we are ultimately making disciples who obey, right? This is why it's not, let me be clearer and maybe sharper. I don't think the responsibility is just preach the gospel. Is it because I'm anti-gospel? No, I love the gospel. You hear me preach it every time I'm in our pulpit. But because Jesus gave us the charge, not just to preach the gospel, but to teach them to obey, so the church should be forming in disciples who obey Jesus. And Jesus has a whole lot of commands for us that I was just uh, eliciting. And so the question is, what does discipleship then look like in this sin-stained world that has constant tragic headlines? Well, I think it looks like submitting to Psalm 4. I think it looks like 
lamenting the realities. And, you know, it's a tough, pastors have to make tough calls because even in these last string of events, I didn't talk about every single one on Sunday. We talked about some of them. I mean, even had times of lament for some of them and which one you do. I mean, well, it depends. Are we, I mean, I, we live 10 minutes, 15 minutes from where that shooting in Vestavia was right. Uh, in Alabama, I can understand why a church in San Diego might not pick that up in their pastoral prayer, but we are their neighbors. So we should pray. Right. And so there's calculuses you have to make when you're leading a congregation, uh, because you don't want to just be another news feed offering certainly your political spins on things or just being like here's the week's headlines let's i mean it can be it can it can, it can become perfunctory soon so the way you answered that it sounded like you you're a pastor you're thinking through that as a pastor and what you know what you call your church to do and i appreciate your care in not binding the conscience of your church members to say that in right. response to this, everybody has to do this. Everybody has to care about this in exactly the same way right. and do the exact same thing with it in response to it. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, I'm not, I'm just not going to say to be a member in good standing in the church, you must participate in this protest because the Bible doesn't say that. So it could be a good thing for some members to do. It could be a great thing. And I and I might even do it in my own individual capacity, but that doesn't mean I'm going to make all the members of the church do it. And I think that we just need to remember that and to hold these things in tension, humans are so good at overreacting, right? Yeah. And so when we see a tragedy like this, our response to it can be pick, pick a potentially good thing. I think we need better gun laws, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, then do I get to take that and use that as the you know, standard of biblical faithfulness for all of my fellow Christians. Right. You know, yeah. I got to be careful with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's really tempting to do because we care. Right. We, we really like, we, the reason justice issues are hard to talk about is because we really do see right and wrong, but we see dimly. So any word to somebody who doesn't care? Well, so that, I mean, that's kind of, that circles back to our first question. It was like, man, I don't want to grow numb, right? And so I, let me read something else from talking about race in that same chapter. It's it's talking about, okay, when these racial tragedies are happening, what should we do? Because I, I, I just think the book isn't about that, but I felt that's what I originally set out to answer. And I just feel it's kind of pastorally negligent almost to not answer the very obvious question as best as I can answer. So I gave 26 answers, half of which are- Of course you did. Half of which are, but I did say this, you know, I said, this is thing number two on the list. Action item number two, discern, discern, discern whether it's wise for you to watch the tragedy. I make this point mostly with minorities in mind. My guess is that if you're reading this, especially in the wake of a racial tragedy, you've already seen a viral video or whatever its equivalent would be. But consider if watching future videos of tragedies is wise for you. So this is very much something I was doing with Jalen Walker footage being released. You may feel like you need to watch or rewatch a video, but that's not necessarily true. Doing so may cause you unnecessary depression. Exercise your freedom in Christ. You may be emotionally or spiritually tapped. Not everyone is equally equipped to dive into each tragedy. Pray for wisdom and ask for counsel as to whether watching would be good for you. We don't want to ignore suffering, but neither do we want to immerse our hearts in it. 
Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for from it flow the wellsprings of life. And so I'm holding both these things in tension where it's like, you don't have, you can't, and you don't have to dive into everything. But man, I don't want to grow numb either. So what this podcast is, is kind of the, I don't want to grow numb side of that conversation. And so, man, um, to someone who's like, I just haven't met the person who's like, I don't care about those things. But to someone who in their heart of hearts maybe knows they don't, I just ask that person to pray that the Lord would give them the conscience that accords to what is just and what is right and what is evil in his sight. Because ultimately, Austin, you and I, through this show, or I as a pastor, or just as another human being, cannot calibrate someone's conscience nor awaken it. God has to do that work. We are not competent nor capable to do it. So, you know, now to be clear, I think you can raise awareness and so much of the civil rights movement thrived off the strategy of provoking the conscience. Uh, so we can do that in some way, but God ultimately does that work at the end of the day. You mentioned specifically footage being released in the Jalen Walker case. Um, did you watch it? No. I mean, I, I read, yeah, I, no. I, once I read about the amount of times he was shot, I'm not sure what, um, I, I think maybe to put it like this, I think I was sufficiently sickened. So, and it's not, you know, it's not about our being, it's not about me or you at the end of the day, but in my own personal life, that was the decision I made. No, I, I, I bring it up because I think it's helpful to think about it. Like maybe there are people who need to be awakened about no. this kind of thing. But I think there's a lot of people, especially folks listening to this podcast, who just don't need another, don't need to watch another image bear die. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy what we can see nowadays. I mean, um, you know, you and I were talking about this show beforehand, before this show, before this recording of this uh, Stranger Things. And, you know, one, one, one feature of Stranger Things, the last season notwithstanding that I've not seen, uh, is that it's enchanting because you watch these kids who are growing up in an iPhone-less world, right? And millennials are actually the last generation to remember what the world was like pre-iPhone. Like, I remember Netscape. I remember, hey, I got to get off the phone. We're, we're trying to get off the on the internet, dial up and... Maybe Josh can put in a little... Uh... Well, he doesn't need to. That was perfect. <laughs> Right, so it's just you watch you watch all that, and com the access we have now to footage of really horrific things. Yeah, I just I do not want to uncritically, and this kind of goes with the social media episode we released. It's easy to unwittingly and uncritically just adopt these technologies as obvious goods for society and hear me i have a I have an iphone it's very useful in so many in so many ways but i don't assume it's all good and i assume i can do great evil with it and even evil toward myself as a disservice so yeah i didn't elect to watch it well all of those caveats and 
different strategies and all of that aside, I mean, the reminder I want to keep coming back to with Christians, whether gathered or scattered, is let's just be praying about this. Yeah. As weary as we get, as angry as we get, as tired as we get of all of this, let's just keep going to the Lord and asking him to to stop this. Yeah, and man, that that exhortation, that predates the iPhone. Luke 18, and just listen to this. He told them a pair, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So he told them that because he knew their temptation would be to stop praying and to lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. I love this. This is a justice-oriented parable. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And prayer is one of the essential ways we demonstrate that kind of faith. You know, as our pastor, Camp Hughes, says, it's it's really hard to keep praying for the same thing for a long time. And time has a way of testing the genuineness of our desires. And so we ought to keep spreading those desires before the Lord. And anyone who wants to tell me that's in action, I really just want to say, take that up with Jesus. Because he says to keep praying. Well, should we do that? Let's do it. You want to go first? Yeah. Lord, we are sick of it. Lord, we know that you are even more sick of it. You know every evil thing that has ever happened and ever been thought. Uh, your, your spirit must be the most grieved being in the universe. And yet, Lord, we know that you are not slow to fulfill your promises of judgment and salvation. We pray that you would not delay long over your elect, but that you would bring about justice on the earth. <sighs> Lord, it seems that from Uvalde to Chicago to Buffalo, Lord, this, this keeps happening and we're, we're sick of it. We're groaning. So here are groans and we pray that Jesus would come and come quickly. We are disappointed he has not come yet. Come, Lord Jesus, and help us to be appropriately angry and appropriately lamentful and appropriately grateful in the world you've made. There is so much good in it, despite its fallen, fallenness, Lord. So help us not to put our head in the sand and help us not to put our heart 
and tragedy only because the reality is we don't we don't live on good friday we live on easter sunday and we know that the tomb is empty so lord we pray that you would come as you ascended in the cloud and get your people you'd end wickedness psalm 11 so clearly talks about you putting it to an end psalm 10 lord we pray that you do that and that you give us grace you've given us grace to pray for years on this show for as long as you tarry we pray that you give us grace to continue praying in jesus name amen amen father in this continuous news cycle it's just easy to ask how long will you let this continue how long will we keep opening our phones to new tragedy to familiar tragedy Lord, I echo Isaac's prayer that Jesus would return, that you would establish your justice, your righteousness in your kingdom. Lord, we pray for everyone listening who is impacted by the same tragic news cycle, um, perhaps even impacted more closely than that, Lord. We pray that all of us would be relying on you, that we would be taking our cares and burdens to you. Um, because we know that you are where our help comes from. So Lord, make your people reliant on you and prove yourself faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. Grace and peace. Pray.